Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sunday School by Larson Hicks on April 11th, Lord's Day Service. Why don't we open with a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to you for the Lord's Day. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We pray that you would be here with us as we talk about these things. We ask that you would, your spirit would lead our conversation, and uh, we pray that you would prepare our hearts to worship you this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the, the mission here is kind of, and we're going to do this for the next couple weeks, we're going to kind of talk about TRC distinctives, just kind of, it's kind of like a new members class sort of thing, just just orienting you to who we are and what we're about, and and um, and trying to just kind of cover some of those basics. So today I'm just going to cover our history, kind of how we came about, and and um, and then our distinctives. So I'm I'm just going to jump in. So just just from a history standpoint. Um, we're in the uh, Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, the CREC, and part of the history there for, for the Hicks family personally, we, we, the CREC started up in Moscow, Idaho. We lived, I went to school up in Moscow, Idaho, and was, and was part of a church out there, um, Christ Church, which was one of the founding churches of the, of the denomination. So we were very familiar with it, and it was, it was, it was kind of our home. We grew up, my wife and I grew up Baptist, and and then became Reformed Baptist, and then went off to college in Moscow. So that was kind of our personal story, kind of how we got introduced to the to this kind of strain of of the church. Um, we weren't Presbyterians before we went to Idaho, um, and left feeling like we were, but not really sure like where you know what where do we fit, and we're not really part of the the big kind of world of Presbyterian churches or Reformed churches. It's kind of its own. I kind of describe the CREC as sort of a, a, a mashup of, of biblical fundamentalists, Baptists, and Reformed people. It's kind of a, a kind of a mix. We don't really fit in any of those places really very comfortably, so we're kind of a, a mixture. Um, so, so that's kind of how we got into it. Um, and then Bethany and I ended up at a PCA church here in Huntsville, and we're hoping and praying for years that, that the Lord would would open some doors for a church plant and um, had been trying to convince people to do that with us. Um, and, and actually, it's crazy. I mean, this is just kind of a fun story. We were, we had, um, there was a pastor at our old church who, who I used to meet with for lunch on a regular basis who said, I'm going to go plant a church. And we were like, oh, we've been wanting to be a part of a church plant too. That'd be great. Let's, let's do it. And, uh, and, and kind of went out saying um, he was looking for families. So we, um, being the way that we are, we're like, let's organize a dinner and we'll invite people and we'll try to get this thing going. And we organized a dinner and um, two families came and, uh, and the pastor bailed out and said, I'm, I'm not ready yet to talk about, I'm not really ready yet. And so we were like, well, we'll just keep the dinner. Um, and one of the families that came was Jeff Robertson and his wife. And so we, we just said, we'll keep the dinner on and we'll just talk about church and why we want to plant a church or be a part of a church plant. And so Jeff and Amanda were like, yeah, we're in. We'll do it. We want to be a part of this, too. Um, and, then, uh, and then that pastor ended up deciding I don't, he didn't really want to plant a church or, or wasn't ready to plant a church, didn't really know what he wanted to do. So we were like, I guess we're doing this now. Um, and we had, just Bethany and I had for years, had felt like we really loved Huntsville, uh, but the church thing hadn't really, wasn't really working for us. We hadn't found the Christian community that we really were hungry for and, and really missed. We were a part of a really healthy, vibrant um, church community for 12 years, and our, our older boys had grown up in that community. And so we were just not really content to have our younger kids grow up without that. And so our we had just decided, this was, I think, in 2018, that, that, that the only thing we hadn't really tried, we had tried several things, the only thing we hadn't tried is to try to plant a church. And we basically gave the Lord six months. We just said, if, if, if over the next six months we can see some sort of fruit, some sort of traction on a church plant, then we'll stay in Huntsville. And if not, we're going to move. Because um, my mom and her, her, she's at a Reformed Episcopalian church in Texas that's got a really lovely, vibrant community. And we've got a lot of, a lot of family there. And, and they've got a great school. And so we were like, that's, that's probably where we'll go. Um, 
and this all happened. So, um, so very quickly, Jeff introduced me to Jason. We started meeting um, the three of us with with another friend who's an elder at a CREC church or at, at a PCA church in town. Just started talking through the church and um, what we were looking for. Kind of came up with our distinctives. That was a big thing that we worked on, um, and um, and we weren't even really sure we wanted to be in the CREC because the CREC is a wonderful denomination, but the thing we were nervous about was I hadn't really seen any church plants come out of the CREC that had been very successful. It just feels like a, a group that, that is wonderful in a, in a lot of ways, but hasn't really figured out the church planting thing. There's a lot of really small struggling churches and obviously that's not what we were looking for. Um, so we actually went to a bunch of churches. We had this crazy idea of what if we created a a temporary session of elders at multiple churches in Huntsville, make this a work of the church in Huntsville. It was kind of a, a crazy idea. And we went to a bunch of churches with this crazy idea of starting a church with their, we didn't, we didn't want any money. We weren't asking for money. We just wanted their, their accountability and support. And uh, shockingly, every church thought that was a bad idea and wasn't interested in doing that. And we were like, so you're saying you don't want to plant a church that's completely different from your church? That's weird. Um, you know, we're planting a church because we don't think your church is doing what churches should be doing. Uh, why, not, why, why don't you want to support us? Um, so kind of naive, right? Um, but it was, it was right about that time that, um, that and we, ha- we held a couple services. This was in like the fall, October, November, December, we, we kept, it was kind of weird because we kept, we, we had a big group of people on a mailing list and, and we were having social events just to try to get people together to see, hey, do we have a, a church plant? And, uh, and we'd have these big turnouts for these, these we did a, a couple picnics, we did, um, we did a fall party at our house. We'd have like 20 families show up and we were like, wow, we've really got a great core group here. And then we held um, worship services on Sunday nights um, once a month for October, November, December of, of 2019. And basically nobody showed up. I think the drowns came one night, um, and, uh, Tony Kim came one night, and I think the McDonald's one night. So that was like, we had three guests, um, over three Sundays and the, and, and the rest was just, was just the Carpenters and, and the Cherries and the Robertsons. And we just loved it. We were like, well, we love being together. Um, it's kind of expensive to keep renting a church building just for the, our couple of families to get together. Um, so we kind of went back to the drawing board and it was like in February of, of 2020, really right before the, the whole Corona thing, um, that Rich Lusk, uh, I I don't know if I called him or he called me, um, but we got on the phone and he said, he said, um, I just got out of a elder meeting and we were thinking that Huntsville really needs another CREC church. There was one here that was kind of dying and, uh, and, and somebody said they thought maybe you'd be the guy that would be interested in, in doing that. And I was like, well, actually, yeah, we're in the middle of trying to figure this out right now. And they said, we'd love to support you guys. Um, we'd love to be your sponsor church. We'd love to, to even help financially. And so we're like, okay, well, I guess that's, that's the door we've been, we've been looking for. So we, we said yes. They you know, made that official in February. And then, uh, and then the pandemic thing um, happened. And it was in, uh, it was in, April of last year, so maybe a year from this week. I don't remember the exact Sunday, but it was some Sunday, and it was a Thursday in April. Bethany was walking with one of our neighbors who, who, end of May. Oh, really? Was it? I've got my timeline wrong. Okay, end of May. So we still got a still got a month. Um, but she said, you know, we're just tired of this this virtual church thing. Um, could we? could we just come over to your house on Sunday and just have home church? And we're like, actually, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Like, we, we've got some friends we'd like to bring or some, some of the other folks that are part of the mailing list. Um, we said, sure, invite them. And so that was a Thursday. On Sunday, we had nine families show up to our house for worship. And we were like, oh, wow, this is more than we ever had at any, you know, at all of our, our things combined. And so we just kept doing, we called it coronavirus church. Um, if you're familiar with the ball and cross image, it's, it's on a lot of churches. You'll have a gold globe on the top of the steeple with a cross, and it's supposed to, it's supposed to symbolize Christ's lordship over the, the planet. Um, we, we had, uh, we had uh, Caleb Christopher um, design a coronavirus and cross. It was a coronavirus with a cross coming out of the top, and that was our, that was our logo for, for six weeks or so while we were meeting in our backyard. And so by the end of that, we had... 
I think we had 15 families that at the last service, uh, 13 or 14 or 15, somewhere in there. And so um, we, uh, we started looking for a place to, to meet, and we found this place in August and started meeting here. So that's kind of the, the history of the church. And really, since then, it's just been um, taking all the different steps you know, towards becoming a, a real church. Um, so I'll talk through some of that, but I wanted to give you just kind of the background of how we just came into existence. That's kind of our, that's kind of our story. Um, so I'm going to jump into our distinctive. So this was something... Um, well, let me, let me start with, um, let me start with the CRAC. So the C, and I've mentioned, you know, a lot of you guys have heard this spiel, so I apologize. Um, but, but I know there's some new folks who haven't, so, um, we'll just go through it again. Um, so the CRAC, to be in the CRAC, you've got to be confessional, um, which means you just have to, you have to submit yourselves theologically to a confession, a historic Protestant confession. And it's not like, any confessions okay? They've got a they've got a book of confessions, a limited number of 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 Protestant Orthodox Protestant confessions that you can hold to. So like the Belgic Confession, um, you know the the Westminster Confession. But but one of the neat things about the CRC is they're trying to be more um, Catholic with a little C, right? They're trying to be more ecumenical is another word for that. So. So they want to. They want to. They want to say basically, this is a big tent. Um, this isn't. This is, we, we're not trying to create a denomination for everybody who 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 holds to the every exact jot and tittle of theology just identically. So, so within the pale of uh, within the variety of confessions that are allowed within the CRC is, for instance, the the London Baptist Confession. So it's a it's kind of a reformed Baptist uh, version of of the Westminster. So. That's really appealing to us. I think that's a really a beautiful thing, um, and and the church needs more of that. And so that's one of the things we love about um, the CREC. So you have to be confessional. Our, we we pick the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is which is kind of a traditional um, pro, uh, uh, Presbyterian confession, um, and um, and partially because like Jason went to you know Reformed Theological Seminary. Um, uh, Jeff went to Westminster uh, Seminary out in out in Philly, and so it's kind of our 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 it's kind of our heritage in a lot of ways. So it, it felt like it's something we were all familiar a lot more familiar with. Um, so we subscribe to the Westminster, um, and it's kind of think of it as as it's a it's it's a it's another witness right to hold the leadership of this church accountable right. So if one of us starts to go, I'm kind of getting into this new thing, this kind of, you know, woke critical race, you know, theory interpretation of scripture. Well, we've got, we, as influential, let's say Jason started trying to convince us that, the, I picked Jason because he's the last person on the planet who would actually do that. Uh, but let's say Jason was like, hey, I'm, I'm starting to feel led this way. Um, we would go, well, let's look at scripture, okay? And if, and, if, and if it's just, if we can't make a clear case from scripture, we've got another witness to, to look at, and that's the Westminster Confession of Faith. So it's another kind of witness uh, amongst us, right, um, to, to sort of to, to look at the doctrine. Um, and we've also chosen as a church that we're going to have a book of confessions to where if there's ever any ambiguity in the Westminster, that there will be a second and a third witness, right? So that there's just, there's multiple things kind of pointing at, we can look at it. Like, I, I'm interested in the Heidelberg Confession. It's a German, you know, Reformed Confession, which is very poetic and it's it's very different, um, but it's also great. Um, so so that's kind of our uh, so that's that's part of being in the in the CREC is is being confessional. You also have to be constitutional. So you have to you have to have a con constitution, um, and it's not dictated what your constitution has to be or look like, um, but you have to have a constitution, which is just again another form of accountability. It's a way of saying. Um, you know, Larson may want to do some crazy thing and, and appoint somebody elder or, 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 you know, make some edict, right? Um, but sorry, you're bound, you've bound yourself to this constitution that dictates how we do business, how we run this church. Um, it's not infallible. It's something we can change as a, as a, as a session. We can vote and, and make changes to the constitution, but we're, but it's, it's, um, it's just another kind of, um, it's kind of another, it's not another rail uh, sort of right on the, on the road. It's kind of another, keep us out of the ditch. Um, so you have to be confessional, constitutional. 
Um, and then you've got to be Presbyterian in the, in the, in the biblical sense. So um, what I mean by that is Presbyterian is sort of a, a loaded word, um, I feel like, especially in the South. Um, people, when you say Presbyterian, people go different directions with that. We just mean it, um, literally, the, the word in Greek, presbyteros, is, is the word for elder. Uh, it's translated elder, it's translated bishop. Um, so when you hear Presbyterian, it's, 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 it's just a, it's a, basically a, a, tra- a transliteration you know, into English of, of the Greek word um, presbyter. Um, and, and a presbyter is what you, you see in Timothy and in Titus as being explained to us um, a, 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 an overseer um, or a, a, a shepherd in the church, right? And so there are requirements for those, those men. Um, they have to meet certain requirements. It's a particular job. Um, so, so as Presbyterians, we, we are, have a plurality of elders, so we can't be ruled just by one guy. Um, we've got a plurality. Um, in our constitution, we are a three-office um, three church, which means we, we have, there's three different uh, types of officers. We've got uh, deacons, um, and then we have um, ruling elders, and then we have um, ministers of the word and sacrament, or, or teaching elders is another term for that. Um, just different types of elders, and it's it's sort of uh, we look to all of Scripture to try to justify you know how how we came to these these positions. Um, you see deacon and, and elder specifically in the New Testament, but you also, if you look at all of Scripture, you've got you've got Levites, you've got prophets, you've got apostles, you've got these different types of roles that we feel like line up with the, these three these three offices. Um, so in in uh, so the second part of being Presbyterian is is that authority in uh, in our in our in our denomination doesn't go up. So it's not like there's a guy with a bigger, funnier hat that sits higher up that makes decisions about what we do as a church. Um, um, in in the Presbyterian uh, way of seeing things, and 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 obviously we believe what Scripture shows us is authority goes out. So you see in Acts, there's a, there's a dispute about circumcision, I believe it is, and they take the dispute <clears throat> to Jerusalem. So there's a council that's held, a council of presbyters, of elders, who meet together in Jerusalem to discuss and come to a decision um, as a church. And so we would say that, that if, if there's an issue here that we can't, we can't settle, um, then, then we will take it up to the presbytery. That'll be the next escalation. And it's not an escalation up to some guy sitting at the top. It's an escalation out to more elders, to more elders in more churches that, have, that, are, that are bound to a constitution and a confession the same way that we are, um, right? And so, um, so that's, how, that's, how, that's how the CREC works. That's how our, our polity or our government um, works. Um, our constitution, if you haven't seen it, we're happy to send you a copy. We'll get it up on our website. We've, we've actually been, been talking about, we're, we adopted Trinity Presbyterian's constitution because it's just a beautiful constitution. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's weird to say that, but, but it's actually a really lovely document. It's been written very well and very well reasoned and from scripture. Um, but it, it dictates things like, like how do we elect elders? How do we elect officers? Um, how do we make decisions? How, how, you know, what kind of vote has to happen within the congregation at, at times? Are there because there are things that we need to vote on? For instance, the elders can nominate a man for a, an office, but that man needs to still be um, trained. He has to go through a training. That's part of our constitution. Um, he has to be examined. That's part of our con- constitution, and he also has to be voted on by the by the church um, and elected. So. So, so again, trying to set up, you know, not, not be overly bureaucratic, but also it's an important job, and we don't want to just say, hey, you, you look like a smart guy. Why don't you step up and, and lead the church? Um, so that's, that's the CREC. Take a sip here. Um, and we're delighted to be in this denomination. I'm actually heading down after church today. We're, we're heading down to Florida for our um, presbytery meeting, which is something that happens a couple times a year. And um, the presbytery will do things like um, make statements, right, on behalf of the presbytery about certain things. So there's actually a discussion happening in our presbytery right now about 
um, forced vaccinations. Um, what's our what's our denomination's stance going to be on forced vaccinations? Um, is and and so there's not a there's not a conclusion you know, conclusive um, decision or statement that's been made, but they've made statements in the past about gay marriage, about the o Obergefell decision, um, and some of these are at the Presbytery level, some of them are at the denomination level. So so there have been things where the whole denomination has said we're going to make some memorials or some statements about different issues. And so that's another function of the presbyte, uh, presbytery. Again, those are not necessarily, um, in our case, you know, um, prescriptive, like we have to, we have to abide by or, or follow every single letter of, of every thing, but it is, uh, it is, there, there's, there's something authoritative about, you know, a bunch of presbyters coming together and discussing and coming to a, an answer and speaking, um, you know, prophetically about it. So, that's what the presbytery is, and that's what our church government is in the CRC. Um, so that said, you know, the, again, coming back to the kind of the big tent, that's that's really it with the CRC. So, um, you know, the other thing would be how do we how do we train and, and elect um, teaching elders? Um, um, th there's a standard right there. It's uh, a lot of denominations have approved seminaries. Uh, the CRC does not. Um, we examine our own. Uh, the presbytery has to examine teaching elders, so to be a teaching elder, you've got to go through an examination process there. Um, but uh, we don't have like our own denomination seminary. We don't. That's that's kind of a distinct uh, thing about the the CRC is we don't. We've seen a lot of these seminaries go liberal and and become sort of way more influential than they really should be. They they're kind of the credentialing body of of a whole denomination and. And uh, and so it's kind of a un un um, I think an unhealthy balance that that these professors and these seminaries have, and the kind of control that they end up having over the church and the direction of the church. So it's something that the CRCs um, that I, that I really personally like about it. Um, okay, so let's get into distinctives about the church specifically. Um, so. Um, so there's four for us that we, and these, and these four distinctives are really, um, they're not arbitrary, um, but they're also not the be-all, end-all of all churches. So we don't look at another church and be like, well, they don't have number three on our list, so they're not really a good church. We, we picked these four things as, as kind of the baton that we're going to carry. Um, and when we pass this baton on to the next generation, I, I fully expect that they're going to have another set of things. If we're faithful to do what we're trying to do, we'll check these four things off the list and lock them down and, and succeed in, in establishing these things and be able to tackle more things going forward. So this is, this is really, why are we forming a church? Why are we planting a church in a town that has hundreds of churches? Um, right? Um, wh why do we even see that there's a need for this? And, and, uh, and, and kind of giving us a target. You know, this is, this is the target. This is where we're headed. This is what we're shooting for. Um, and those four things are biblical worship, um, keeping our kids, unity within the body, um, so that Catholicity, ecumenical thing, and then real community. So biblical worship, keeping our kids, unity within the body, and real community. Um, so I'll just jump into each of these and kind of explain them a little better. So biblical worship. So worship is the centerpiece of, of the Christian life. Um, we believe it, sh and we believe it, it ought to be shaped by Scripture. Um, and we're not just a New Testament church. We're a New and Old Testament church. So we look to all of Scripture to dictate and guide um, how we do worship. Um, so You've, if you've been here very long, you've heard me kind of give the spiel about, you know, there are the five sacrifices we see in the Old Testament. Our liturgy tries to, to correspond with those five sacrifices. And so you see them in the, in the bulletin. You'll see call. Uh, you'll see um, confession, consecration, uh, commissioning, and I'm missing one. Um, I always miss one. What is it? Did I say communion? Oh, thank you. Good job, boy. Um, so those correspond to, to the sin offering, um, to the, the burnt offering, the whole, the, uh, the, the grain offering you've got, um, the, or the peace offering. Um, and, and so all, all of these things correspond and we're trying to look to all of scripture to, to inform how we go about worship. A shorthand, uh, for that, that's, that's, um, 
that, that's really helpful is this idea of a covenant renewal worship service. There's a pattern we see in scripture of God making covenants with his people. And there's a, and there's not, it's, it's not like, um, just a, a buzzword. It's actually this pattern that we see over and over and over in scripture where God cuts a covenant. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, 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 a agreement that's made that's initiated by God. It's, it's a self maledictory oath with attendant curses and blessings, right? So it's, it's this, uh, this idea where God, where God initiates this deal with us and then says, um, and provides the sacrifice, um, and, and there's blessings and curses that go with that. So it's, so we are basically, if you think of marriage as a kind of covenant, right? Um, worship is, is, um, is like renewing your vows. So every Sunday we come here, um, we're called here by God to renew our, our marriage vows, um, with the Lord as a church. And so he, he, he cleanses us. He, he, he washes us. He forgives us of our sin. And then he cleanses us with his word. And then he feeds us with this meal that he shares with us. And then he sends us out. And so that's, that's what, so we think every worship service ought to be and this was just a list um, that we kind of came up with: joyful, reverent, vibrant, scripture-soaked, congregational singing, singing, and lots of participation. Um, we think that if it's effective and effectual, it should it should inspire uh, the awe of God. It should call us all to obedience. It should expose and convict us of sin. Um, it should send out equipped saints on mission for kingdom work. Um, it should produce joy and gratitude in our salvation. It should invoke God to action through prayer, and it should unify God's people, and it should nourish our souls through word and sacrament. And it should do a lot more things, but those, but but it should do at least those things. Um, and uh, and we and we coming from a bunch of different churches felt like worship was at best a, a lecture, you know, sometimes a good lecture um, or a good performance, a good a good concert, you know, with with a, a pep talk at the end. And we felt like. It needed. It, we need to go back to scripture and, and and beef up worship and make it what it what it ought to be. So biblical worship is really important to us. We're trying to establish that here. The second is keeping our kids. It's kind of an odd, odd priority. And and again, um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it should always be something that the church cares about. But we felt like this is a particular shortcoming, a particular pitfall we've seen. I've been in a lot of churches in this town um, where where several of the elders have children who've left the faith and it's tragic. Um, but it's also become totally commonplace, right? I mean, it's, it's just expected. Yeah. I mean, half, half of your kids are probably going to leave the faith. And it's like, really, that doesn't seem like that really doesn't seem like what God has promised. Uh, it certainly promised to Abraham, you know, that this promise to you and to your children and to your children's children for a thousand generations. Um, I love this. Uh, um, I heard Doug Wilson recently say, um, God wants to fill the planet with billions of Christians, and he could have done that any number of ways, but the way God did it is he made one man and one woman. That's how God is accomplishing that goal. So, so marriage and families are God's instrument for saving the world, for filling this planet with, with the glory of the Lord, uh, that covers the, the the earth as the waters cover the sea. So that's this is how God does it is through families. He also does it in all kinds of amazing ways, like like Paul and the Damascus Road and things like that. But but the normal way, the normal way that we should expect, and the normal way that we expect God to bless is through families. And so we're 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 committed to that. Um, so we're trusting God's promise for the generations. Um, we see our children as our first mission field. So. Before we do a bunch of evangelism work, before we spend a lot of money on on going out to try to evangelize the lost, if we have kids in our church who don't know the Lord, um, who are far off, then we've got no business um, going outside um, the church, right? Um, so these are our kids; it's our responsibility first, and so we wanna we wanna make that a priority um, and and uh, and recover that. Um, so we're not going to really move. What what I say, I I taught one of the churches I talked to trying to convince to 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 um, to kind of work with us to plant this church said to me, 
because I mentioned this point and I talked about education and Christian education is how that's one of the ways that we hope to, to help you know, this next generation. Right. And, and this man said, well, you know, I, I, uh, I just, I don't even know what to think about that. You know, like all my kids go to public school and, and, and I said something like, well, we'd hope someday that we'd, we could have a deacon's fund to help families with, with Christian education. And, um, and they're like, what, you know, and, and oh, and they said, uh, you never really mentioned evangelism. Like, what's, what's that? And I said, well, that's a great point. I said, so every, since I've been in Huntsville, I've been in Huntsville seven years, every single atheist I've met in Huntsville grew up in a Christian home, every single one. Um, and so it seems to me that while some churches may be doing a great job of evangelism, um, it seems like they're not doing a great job of keeping those, those converts. And so you guys can bring them in. We'd like to keep them. Like we'd, we'd like to, right? So we'd like to make sure that we're not, we're not losing as many Christians as we're gaining. Um, and, if, and, if, and if that's the pattern, it's, a, it's broken, right? There's a, there's a leak in the pipe, and then someone, someone's got to patch that up. So that's kind of what we're hoping we can do, our contribution to the kingdom here in Huntsville. Um, so education I already mentioned, including children in the life of the body. So we don't have Sunday school, um, not because we don't have the room for it, um, but because we want our kids here. We want our kids to be a part of the worship. Um, we want our kids to view themselves as believers. We want our kids to view themselves as part of God's people. Um, we want them to know when to say amen, and we want them to know the Apostles' Creed, and we want them to raise their hands and sing the doxology with us because it's for them. The promise is for them as much as it is for us, and so we don't want to wait until they, until they prove to us that they're worthy to sit in church. They're, they're our children. They're part of this, and we want them here, and we know that that's hard, and we know that that, that is loud and noisy and difficult, but we feel like that's part of our job. Um, and that's part of this, this mission of keeping our kids. So the, the next thing, I'll just jump because we're running low on time, is unity within the body. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the idea there is we feel like, um, we feel like, um, you know, I can walk down the street, my street in Huntsville and knock on every door and literally every single house I talk to is a Christian. Um, uh, every single person, n nobody on my street knows their neighbor, um, but they're all Christians. Um, and they all go to a different, none of them go to the same church. Everyone goes to a different church. Um, and, and none of them speak the same dialect of Christianese, right? So like when we start talking, it's like, it's like, um, it's like we're speaking a different language. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm referencing the work of God in my life and, and the terminology doesn't even, you know, I say a word like Presbyterian, it's like, oh, I know what that means. That's, that's, that's that whole, that's like that cult, right? Of, of crazy Calvinist, hyper Calvinist. You guys don't believe that like people can be evangelized or whatever, right? There's just like all this. So for us, what we, I feel like that's this work of Satan um, that we saw in, in the Tower of Babel to kind of confuse language. I feel like that's happening in the church today. And we want to work against that. So, so in a sense, we want to be Pentecostal, right? We want to, we want to kind of undo the curse of, in Babel um, and, and make people Christians filled with the Spirit speak the same language. And so we're trying to do that. Just examples of that is are things like the dance. The dance we did last night, um, we invited our friends um, from other churches, and we hope to do a lot more of that. We like to get the body of Christ in Huntsville together. We feel like we're moving towards times where potentially where we're going to really need each other more than, than we have in the past. Um, and so it's important work right now uh, to get the church together. Um, Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, prayed, you know, um, he, he, said, he said to his father, you know, make them one, even as you and I are one. And by this, the world will know, um, will know us, will know God um, by their unity, right? Um, and so, and so, we believe we believe that, and we we want to we want the if we're going to evangelize the city of Huntsville, um, this is going to be one of the most powerful ways, as Jesus said, that we're going to accomplish that is is through unity, because it is supernatural. I mean, I think when people when people from outside, this happens every time we do beer and hymns. Literally every single time we do beer and hymns, somebody comes to me and says, 
who's at the place where we're singing hymns at a bar, somebody comes and goes, are you, what church are you guys a part of? I'm like, we're not a part of a church. It's, it's just that we're all part of different churches. Really? Like, this is a group of, so what are you, what religion is this? It's like, we're, we're, we're Christians, you know? That guy goes to a Methodist church, and that guy goes to a Baptist church, and that guy goes to a Presbyterian church, and we're brothers, though. We're brothers, like, they can see the love, and I've had, and I've had, I had, uh, I had a man one time say, you know, I just wasn't, I, I went, I wasn't comfortable with, I just feel like the testimony of a bunch of Christians drinking alcohol in public is, is, is a bad testimony. I said, well, look, you know, I, I get it. I said, I said, uh, the problem is, you know, Jesus was, Jesus told us how to be a witness to the world. And, and he wasn't, there were people saying that you need to have higher standards in public. Um, and they weren't, they didn't tend to be the ones that Jesus was all that pleased with. Um, he was, he, but he did pray for unity and, and love. Um, and so, so anyway, that's that's something we think is important. Not not the beer part, but just the, but just the the unity. Like we're so so you know stronghold was another example of that where we're just trying to invite our brothers and sisters throughout Huntsville to get together and we're trying to learn scripture together, get to know each other, speak the same language, be part of the body in Huntsville. So that's the second thing or third thing um, that we're interested in. And the last thing. Oh, and I, and I should mention on that. Um, on the unity bit, I mean, this, this, I've already said this about kind of the CRC, but, but for us um, in particular, one of the things we, we care deeply about is, um, is, um, is the issue of baptism. You know, so baptism is, is, a, is an issue that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of Christians who are, are doing their, their level best to, to um, whose consciences are bound by Scripture um, not by some fad or some, you know, some, some, um, some movement, you know, um, some liberal, you know, uh, interpretation of Scripture, but, but by a, a, a conservative reading of Scripture are convinced of, of, of credo believers' baptism versus pedo children's baptism, right? And, and we, we don't want to ask someone to violate their conscience on an issue where they're submitting to Scripture, um, It'd be another thing if somebody were saying, you know, I just, you know, that, 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 uh, you know, passage that where it says that, you know, pastors are men, you know, I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I don't, it's like, well, it's, it's there. It's, it's in the text. It's in black and white. Um, we're not relativists, right? So we're not trying to say it's all up for interpretation, but, but the question of baptism is one that, that I, I really do think honest believers disagree on, and they do so uh, with a clear conscience um, and with an honest approach to Scripture. And so we're not going to divide over that issue. And so we, we've already, as a church, baptized several babies. We've baptized um, older children, um, and, uh, and it's not an issue that we're going we're gonna to make a, a sort of litmus test for membership in our church. We as a session hold to the Westminster, um, and we as a session agree with 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 what the Westminster teaches on baptism. Um, and so that's our position and we'll teach it. I mean, we, we probably won't do like a 10 week series on why you should not, you know, be a credo Baptist. Right. Um, but, but, uh, but, but that, but we do have a position on it and we agree on it. Um, but we're not going to divide over it. So the last of the four, um, just making sure I didn't miss anything on that. Um, yeah, so the last of the four is real community. So, um, so again, not that this is the only thing or the most important thing that the church can and should be doing in the world. It's just, it's just a deficiency. It's, it's a, we're looking at the kingdom in Huntsville today, and we're saying, where are the walls coming down? Where can we pick up our, our shovels and start patching things up? You know, what, what can we contribute? And we see, we see that as a big um, struggle in the Christian life today is that is that most of us drive 20 minutes to work and then we drive 20 minutes to take our kids to school and we drive 20 minutes to go to soccer and um, and none of these worlds overlap um, and and we and we just lose any sort of connection our cities are no longer built for human beings they're built for cars and businesses and and so it's kind of we're, we're sort of working, we're, we're kind of working against the grain to actually be a community, 
like you know, to, to get out of your car or your or your physical house and, and out from in front of the screen and actually have friends and 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 have real community is hard. It actually is really hard um, in this day and age that we live in. And so it's something that we feel like we've got to we've got to take a crack at 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 addressing this issue because because it's vital uh, for for believers to, to not just know truth in their head, but to be a part of a community that that shares their their vision, shares their their uh, their belief, um, um, speaks the same language, um, and can encourage you and support you, help you, you know, when you're when you need help, um, and um, and um, and so that's what we're that's what we're trying to build. And so you know, we talk about hospitality being a big focus for us as a church, as we want to demonstrate that here as we invite people in and as we do potlucks, but we want to push that out into homes. Um, so we want to see more and more people inviting people to their homes for, for meals. We want to share meals. This is what Jesus does every Sunday um, with us. He invites us to his table and shares a meal. He provides the sacrifice, the meal for us, and we want to, we want to do that as well. We want to push that out into our lives. So hospitality is a big focus. Um, caring for one another. Again, um, mercy ministry, sending money to, you know, um, Haiti or a place that needs money and needs help is, is a, is not a bad thing. But again, if there's somebody in our church that's unemployed, that doesn't have what they need, you know, their car broke down, um, 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 you know, kind of woe unto us if, if, if we're not taking care of that person, but we're sending money to some church overseas. We had a we had a really funny uh, missionary uh, update at one of our churches in the past where the missionary said uh, they were, they went on a mission trip. I won't say to where because it'll give everything away. But they went on a mission trip, and they were describing how bad it was. And they said it was just, it was bad. It was like this place was like, it was like some of those parts of Birmingham. It was like that. <laughs> and we were like, how many thousands of dollars did you spend to go over there to deal with people that are just as bad as the people down the road from us? That's weird, um, right? And so, uh, so you know, again, you know, this isn't in any of our statements here, but but a lot of us are are post-millennial, and uh, our eschatology is is one that's optimistic. We believe that that God is going to save the world. So we've got kind of a long view um, of 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 uh, cultural engagement, cultural renewal. We're trying to build lasting institutions and things that our kids will inherit and that will, that will grow. So we're, we're, we're trying to kind of put down more roots, um, which is a different approach. Um, a lot of churches are kind of have a mindset of all that the matters is evangelizing people, converting souls, getting them to pray that prayer as quickly as we can. And any money or any time spent on anything else is a waste. You need to just put up a little four wall, you know, metal building and, and then get out and evangelize. Um, and we're just, that's not our, that's not our, our approach, not our view and God bless them for it. Um, but, but we're trying to do something, um, more tangible and, and lasting and, and, uh, and, and again, the generational piece is, is really, really important to us. So I'll stop there. We probably have just a few minutes before people start showing up. So um, any questions? I, I covered a lot there, but any questions, things I didn't address or things that weren't clear? Hit me. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so that's a, okay, so the question was about, I talked about baptism, how we are, we don't um, divide over, over issues of baptism. The question was communion, so I'm assuming we're talking about communion with kids versus, versus not. So there's a lot of churches that, that uh, there's a tradition, a common reform tradition of what's called fencing the table. So, so the idea, there's a, there's a passage in, in 1 Corinthians that talks about um, if somebody takes the bread unworthily, um, and, and that, that there's, that there's curses, right. That come along with that. Um, and, um, and that you need to, uh, examine yourself is the other term that's used there, or at least a translation of that term. Um, and, 
and so there's a lot of there's that's that's a really common view commonly held in the church that um at least in the presbyterian church that that this needs to be protected uh, from anybody who might drink of it unworthily we would agree with that um uh but it's not it's not an issue that we're that we're dividing over um but what what i'd say is that the communion is is administered and 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 given by the church um so it's so it's the church's job to administer communion um and so we will administer that to uh baptize believers that's where we draw the line um who are not under church discipline um so if you're baptized in this church and and uh then you're welcome to this table. We, we will, we, the church will administer communion to you. Um, but if as a family you have, we're, we're letting, we, we're, we've made a, a, a conscious decision to, to um, allow families to make decisions about when they're going to baptize their kids. So um, we're not going to force feed any children communion who aren't baptized they shouldn't be at the table if they're not baptized even if we think they should be baptized we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put that on the on the family um does that answer your question sort of yeah yeah so that's a good question. So uh, there, there's there's kind of a tradition also of of like uh, Catholic Church did this the whole idea of of confirmation right like a first Holy Communion right what's that yeah yeah so and and then like um, Anglicans do a um, confirmation class where you have to go through a process of examination again for us our, we draw the line at at um, we don't think that there's a bar that that God has set for us in scripture that we can appeal to is like, this is the bar you have to meet. We believe you're justified by faith alone, but you're not justified by understanding justification by faith alone, right? So your understanding, so so the issue would be, we've got in our congregation mentally handicapped children um, who will never be able to probably articulate their faith in a way that will satisfy a lot of um, people, right? But we believe they're they're members, and and we want to accept them just like we would a, a child who's not there yet, or an elderly person who's who's senile. Um, and so um, so we don't so you know, and we could get into that debate. I'd love to. I'm sure the guys would love for me not to. Um, but uh, but but there are okay. I'm getting amens. We got two amens. Um, yeah, that, it's a it's a it's an important discussion, um, and it's a controversial one within the, especially within the PCA and the and, and the CRC. But we um, we're not going to if your kids are baptized, we're going to invite them to the table. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we we don't. So yeah, that's a good question. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of, a lot of denominations that won't recognize your baptism if it's not within their denomination. We don't hold to that. Um, if you are professing Christ and have been baptized in the Triune Name and you're not um, under discipline, um, you're you're welcome to the table um, here. Um, and we yeah we we know that uh, that that's that's that's. Um, Controversial, probably in some churches, but um, we're, we embrace that. Yeah, no, no, that's no, great. No, it's great. No, we, uh, yeah, obviously, it's something I, I actually love talking about. We can talk more about it later. Other questions? Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, we talked about. I, I didn't use this word, but but when we were talking about community, we were talking about um, parish life. Like we we want to, as we get bigger, we're we're starting to to kind of draw boundaries for parishes. Just kind of try to identify. Okay, there's a chunk of people over here in Athens and there's a chunk in South Huntsville and there's a chunk over here and try to find ways to, to, to identify 
groups and then assign people to elders. So that is something that we've we've already kind of informally done as a session, um, and something that we'll 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 do more of because we do believe it's it's a it's a huge part of the elders' job to to give an account to God uh, for the state of the souls uh, that are entrusted to us. So so it's a big it's a big deal, and it's something that we're again right now as we're a young church and as we're a, a kind of a fast-growing church, I feel like we're in a little bit more of a reactive mode than we want to be. Um, this is a big part of why we're trying to call a pastor. So we just have more time and energy and bandwidth to devote to that work. Um, but that's a good question. And that, and that's, that's probably how we'll, how we'll do it is we'll, we'll assign families to a elder who will be responsible for just keeping up with them and checking in periodically and, and that kind of thing. But a big part of it too. There's a lot that's done, a lot of work that's done in just regular fellowship, and 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 I think you know when when churches are just meeting to watch and then leave, um, it's easy to kind of lose touch with how people are doing. When we live in community together, um, and somebody walks in that I know very well, and I can see the look on their face, like something's not right. You know, like, like we actually know each other well enough to be able to read each other's expressions and. Those are the kind that that's a that's a big help uh, to to that pastoral work is to actually have community. So that's that's another way to try to address that. Okay, we're out of time, so I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you guys. Yeah, we got to get started. So um, let me close this in prayer real quick. Lord, thank you so much again for this time. Thank you for these folks um, who are here uh, to learn more about uh, what what you're doing through this church. We ask that you'd make us faithful to this work. That you would um, keep us um, on the narrow path and that you would um, bless this work so that we can bless the the kingdom here in Huntsville and build it uh, for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.